I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. And this is Being Boss. In this episode of Being Boss, Kathleen and I are sharing our best productivity hacks and time management tactics. Listen in to hear us dive into some insights into the biggest struggles of bosses like you, including where this struggle stems from, a look into the day of the life of Kathleen and me as highly productive creative business owners, moms, and ladies interested in books, self-care, and just generally living a full life, and a big rundown of our favorite tips, tricks, and resources to get it all done. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. My word of the month is organization, and I'm guessing I'm not alone in that. I bet a lot of you want to get a little bit more organized and maybe a little more organized with your money. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting makes it so easy to do just that. The setup is easy, the system is intuitive, and it's designed for creatives who don't love spending their precious time on administrative tasks like bookkeeping. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting helps you keep your expenses, estimates, invoices, and reports organized which helps you make more money. Plus, their customer service is top-notch, you all. If you have a question, give them a call, and a real human will answer your questions and help you troubleshoot any problems you're having. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Boss, when's the last time you invested in your business or professional development in a way that you actually enjoyed? I'm not talking about that course you paid for but never completed or finally hiring out your bookkeeping. I'm talking about investing in something that was enriching and fun, filled with deep learning and lots of inspiration. I'm talking about a conference. The Being Boss Conference going down in April 2020 was created with the intention of reminding you how to really enjoy your business while still being valuable for you to take action and grow too. Two and a half days of boss friends, engaging workshops, inspiring keynotes, chilling over cocktails, and our favorite, celebrating your success, your hard work, and your sheer bossness. Learn more and grab your ticket while they last at beingboss.club conference. I look forward to seeing you there. So Kathleen and I are jamming about my teas. So I created a line of teas at Almanac Supply Co. And guys, they're so Kathleen is addicted. I'm your official brand ambassador for the teas. For our teas. Um, I mean, I guess unofficial. Well, I, I just mean, keep talking about it on the now internet. Now you're a f- Official. I think we could call it official. I think if you're saying it with me in the same space, yeah. it's probably pretty official. You know what? You've got to ask for what you want. And Agreed. here I am asking to be the official <laughs> Almanac Supply Co. Tea Kat- Ambassador. <laughs> Kathleen, it is my pleasure to grant you your wish. I never officially. thought that I would be a tea influencer. There you go. You can be. You must drink tea all the time, which you're totally doing. Um, right. These herbal teas are my favorite things that I have ever created, period. Maybe aside the being the being boss podcast is like it turned into a whole other thing for sure. So like I feel like they're not in the same league, but in terms of like a product that I have created, I love these teas so much. I'm glad you're drinking them. That makes me happy. Mm. Makes me happy. Um, we're not here to talk about teas today, though. Thank you for bringing that up, though. 
Yeah, Good plug. Look at you, ambassadoring you already. I know. Yeah. I'm just trying to get some free tea. It's really what's happening. <laughs> You're so slick. I love it. Today, we're actually here to talk about time management and productivity, and for a couple of really good reasons. First and foremost, um, we did a poll last fall. We do a poll every year of our listeners and subscribers, Um, and this year, our poll showed us that just shy of 60% of you have claimed that one of the biggest struggles that you are facing is managing your own time, and that is pretty much the same year after year. Time management is the biggest issue. Um, Also, I did a sort of follow-up poll in our community wondering, maybe like our closest bosses are a little bit different. Nope, not really. Asked them what they thought their biggest obstacle was coming in 2020, and almost 40% of them said themselves followed by sales and then marketing. And in the comments below, they were all saying things like they were struggling with delegating or struggling with planning their time or struggling with adjusting their schedules or workflows whenever they are changing their careers or things are happening in their business, which basically means the biggest thing that's standing in all of your way is yourself. What? (laughs) (laughs) No, the struggle isn't yourself. The struggle is the time. It's in your own ability to manage your own time. That's true. And you know, I can get real weird about time. I've been (laughs) reading this book called Einstein's Dreams, and it's convinced me more than ever that you can kind of stretch time. You can slow time down. You can kind of manipulate time. And I think that we've all experienced this whenever we've been in a flow state, whenever we've been incredibly focused, whenever we've been in states of emergency, like a car wreck, you know how everything slows down and you can see every little thing. I mean, it just is something that we can actually manipulate to work for us. Yes, but also we all have the same 24 hours in our day as Beyonce. So... No, she's a magician. She's really stretching time. (laughs) Right? She's hydrating is what she's doing. She's very well hydrated. (laughs) Right? So what we do know for sure is that bosses hardcore struggle with time. Um, And we don't want your time to be the biggest struggle that that you have. We would much rather your biggest struggle be managing your own money. Or something really juicy, like closing awesome deals or something. So Kathleen and I have decided that we want to spend a good amount of time um, focusing on helping you manage your own time better. It's something we're going to talk about today. We have made that one of the themes of our conference um, and have some fun things going on in that space too. Um, So let's dig in and talk about it. And what we're talking about specifically today is we're going to be sharing some of our own tactics and things that we do to stay productive and manage our time. But we're doing this really for creatives. I think creatives have this sort of special set of struggles where our brains are wired a little bit differently. We've worked with them for so long. I think we can really speak to um, the things that we've seen with creatives and how it is they can adjust some mindsets and habits to help them manage their time better. So Kathleen, with all of that and all the work that you've done, both as a creative and working with creatives, um, where have you seen big problems with our creative business owner folks in terms of time management? 
I think that the biggest problem I've seen is people not knowing what to do next or where to begin. So I see the biggest struggle with time coming down to really analysis paralysis and sitting around and thinking about what to do next or even jumping ship too soon and trying something new and all of the decisions that come with launching something new, rebranding, trying something new. So there are a lot of decisions to be made. There is a lot going on. And I think that it can just kind of stand someone still in their tracks. What about you, Emily? What do you think? I think you're totally right. And I think a lot of that feeds into sort of the next level of it, which is insane overwhelm, which leads to questioning lots of fraudy feelings, not knowing, like you said, what to do next. It just, it snowballs into sort of this larger problem. And then you end up at the end of the day or week or month or quarter or year, and you've done nothing but waffle in your own indecision or um, sort of analysis paralysis is happening a lot. Um, So yeah, I'm right there with you. It starts there, not knowing what to do next and snowballs into so many other big problems. And I also think another, I'm also going to throw this one out there too. I think creatives tend to be so great at so many different things. It's not only knowing what to do next, it's like choosing from all of the options as to what to do next. Yeah. And the other thing I think is that time moves fast. And as creatives, a lot of us are really good at manifesting opportunities and things falling on our laps, right? But then that's not always how things get done. Sometimes things get done through a lot of planning and then the actual doing. I'm guilty of this myself. I've had lots of ideas. I mean, you all have been, if you've been listening for a while, you might remember that I thought I was going to start a blog last year. I thought there's a lot of things that I always think that I kind of want to do, but it really does take figuring out, one, why you're doing what you're doing, and two, what it is that you want to create and offer, and then three, the steps that you need to take to get there. Right. So it's really just breaking it down and then figuring out how to structure your time around your goals. For sure. One of the things that really prompted this specific episode was I recently had a listener ask us. Um, she's called us, not only like called us out, but she was like, You guys often say that we are capable of doing 40 hours worth of work and 25 hours a week, which is, we've said that a couple of times. It's, and I think that true. we say that we're capable of that. Yeah, we are. Did I not say that clearly enough? Oh, I thought that you were saying that we tell other people that they can do. Oh 40 no, hours we of tell people that we can. That's what we do because we're we do. We do that. We do our twenty-five hours a week is ridiculously productive. And she asked specifically, share the secrets. <laughs> what are you guys doing that makes you capable of getting so much done? And so little time. Kathleen and I are highly productive people. We've been working for ourselves for years. A decade at this point? Have you hit the 10-year mark yet? Let's see. I quit my day job in 2010, but I've been doing the same kind of work even whenever I worked for someone else for, I mean, 15 years. So So do it. That's my thing is I'm truly an expert at what it is that I do. And there's a lot of confidence and swiftness that comes in that. It's just like putting in your hours is a big part of it. Yes. And putting in those hours not only makes you an expert doing the thing, it helps you form amazing habits that facilitate in you really being able to do the thing. Yep. So 
we get a lot of stuff done. We run businesses. We take care of our families. We take care of ourselves. Um, so we're going to dive into sort of the practicalities of how it is that we show up and get 25, no, <laughs> how we get 40 hours of week done in a 25-hour week. When it comes to planning the life you want or making space for the kinds of experiences you want to have, most bosses find that making time for creative friends and business besties is part of that. And how do you do this without spending a gazillion emails going back and forth to find the right time and date for a conference call, coffee date, or business lunch? Well, I use Acuity Scheduling. Whether I'm scheduling up a check-in with an old client, a business meeting with a collaborator, or just want to hang out in real life with a local boss pal, I just open an email, send my scheduling link, and in no time at all, our meeting's scheduled in a slot that fits my schedule and theirs. Acuity Scheduling, the scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free. No credit card required by going to acuityscheduling.com slash being boss. All right. I want to start this out by sharing some day in the life. So let's both lay out what a normal day and maybe even some weekly stuff because my weeks are a little bit different or beginning of the week is different from end of the week. Um, Let's lay that stuff out to show people what this looks like. Yeah. How about you go first? I feel like people are going to learn how uninteresting my day-to-day is. Um, Same. That's the point. <laughs> this is the point. <laughs> okay. You go first. Okay. So these days, um, actually, these days this is what my schedule looks like. My schedule does change seasonally a lot. So these days, this is what it looks like. I do consistently wake up at 6.30 in the morning with no alarm clock, wake up naturally. I am quite in touch with my circadian rhythm. I will read in bed until 7. I totally read from my phone, like on my Kindle app, and I have no apologies about it. None. Just so everyone knows. (laughs) So I'm doing some reading first thing in the morning. I'm over here looking very skeptical. I feel like this is so bad for you to be reading from your phone. It's fine. Okay. Okay. I'm not looking at my phone at night before I go to bed. There you go. Right? So we'll have that (laughs) trade-off. So I will get up and I'll do some reading first thing in the morning. Whatever kind of book. Sometimes it's a business book. Sometimes it's a fiction book. Sometimes, like, it's just – sometimes I'm just Googling weird shit and seeing what it says. (laughs) I'm reading in bed until 7. And then I get up and I will go for a walk. I'll take my dog for a walk. Um, Come home – make breakfast, get ready, sort of hang out. Like we're not really rushed people in the morning, which is one of my favorite things. That's like one of those gifts of working for myself that I do not take for granted is that we get to have very chill, non-rushed mornings. And having a homeschooled child. And having a homeschooled child for sure. Also, we'll throw that in there. I'm also homeschooling my child in all of this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go to work. And these days I have an office which is How's something that working. It's crazy. I haven't worked out of the house in almost five years. So for me to get up and put on real pants every day was quite an adjustment, though not as difficult as I anticipated it being, which I'm grateful for. Um, but I think it's really helped my productivity 
that's a thing, changing scenery. We'll get to that soon. So um, I'll get up. We go to work. Nine o'clock. We'll be at the office. It's literally five, not even a five minute drive from our house. It's a mile. Sometimes I'll even walk to work. It's about a 20 minute walk as well. Um, I'll work till noon, take a good lunch break. Are you packing your lunch? Are you going back home to eat lunch? What are you doing there? All of the above plus some. So some days we'll take lunch and just eat there. Sometimes we will come home and eat lunch. Sometimes I'll walk home and eat lunch and then walk back. Then that's like a little bit longer of a lunch break. Sometimes I'll go have lunch with friends. Literally, the world is my oyster. When you're packing your lunch, are you packing a lunch for David and Lily or are they on their own? No, it's if we're packing a lunch, it's for everyone because we're all there. But you're packing a lunch for everyone. Someone is packing a lunch for everyone. Not necessarily me. David? Sometimes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just, we are like the queens and kings, I suppose, of leftovers. Mm -hmm. I love being very strategic with my meals so that I can cook once and eat for days. Yeah, this is, I mean, we're going to get into this later, but definitely utilizing leftovers and meal prep is huge for me for yes, productivity. Absolutely. Um, so lunch break, go back to work, work until anywhere between three and six. Some days I'm quitting kind of early. Some days, some days, like yesterday, I was actually there until 630. David could not pull me away from the computer. I was doing something creative and I could not leave. I was not in the mood. So I stayed there a little later and then We'll come home, usually take another walk, um, have dinner, hang out, go to bed. I do not watch – actually, this is one of my productivity tips for later probably, but I'm going to share it now. I do not watch television. We know. Don't do it, right? <laughs> I just I, – I can't. And, and, and I've really found that I can't. I do not have the like ability to sit still and watch a movie for an hour and 45 minutes. Drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, and that's what my day looks like. I'm usually in bed by 9, 9.30, asleep by 10. And sometimes I'll read with an actual book with the light on in bed for a while um, and go to bed. I have been – now that it's winter, I've been going to bed really early, like 8 <laughs> sometimes. So early, in fact, that I've had to start purposefully going to bed later. Because I'm not sleeping all night, because I'm going to bed so early. <laughs> Are you waking up earlier? Yeah, like it? three o'clock yeah. in the morning, ready to go. Oh. It's a little bit of a mess. So, um, so I'm making myself go to bed a little bit later. Nine, nine thirty, ten is the goal. Um, but that's pretty basic. I will also say I usually there's usually a day or two a week that I'm only working about half a day. Um. It's usually Thursday and or Friday because I'm spending a half day homeschooling Lily or because I have errands to run on Friday or whatever it may be. Um, that's not quite my schedule every single day or the nine to five isn't every single day. But when I'm working, it's usually pretty traditional nine to five. And even when I was working at home, pretty traditional nine to five um, hours. And it's basic. It's real basic. So Kathleen, tell us how wonderfully thrilling your day-to-day -day life is. <laughs> so I'm like you, Emily, where I typically wake up around 6.15 or 6.30 with no alarm clock. I just naturally wake up at that time, probably because it's winter and I'm going to bed pretty early. Um, if I've had insomnia, I might use an alarm just in case. 
But I wake up around 6.15, 6.30. A new habit I've incorporated is I am putting on my Apple Watch immediately and breathing for five minutes. I use the Breathe app. So One of the reasons why I do this is because I'm trying to test my heart rate variability to see how prepped I am to work out, like how hard I can go in my workout. So that is a whole other topic. We won't get into it. But I breathe. And then after I breathe, I kind of meditate a little bit about my intention for the day or how I want things to go. I'll even mix in some visualization to help me solidify or kind of rehearse some of the habits that I want to incorporate in my day. Or let's say I have an interview coming up. I might kind of visualize that going really well. And then after that, I'm kind of get up and go. So we've talked about our morning routines before on another episode. We'll be sure to include it if we can find it. But I know that we've talked about that before. Um, But a bulk of my morning is spent getting Fox ready for his day. So I'm packing his lunch. I'm packing his bag, getting his clothes. I set his clothes out by the fire to warm them up. Oh, my God. That's adorable. I know. See, I'm a good mom. That's real sweet. I know. That's next level. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting Fox ready for his day. And then after everyone is, you know, gone for the day, Jeremy's gone to work, Fox is on the bus, I like to go work out. So I'll walk to the gym, I'll work out. And this isn't every day. There are some days where sometimes I work out in the evening and I'll get to that. So from there, I'm either working or I'm working out. And then... um, If I'm working out, I'll come home, I'll get ready. I'm usually ready to hit the ground running. Like I've eaten, I've taken a shower, all the things. I'm usually ready to hit the ground running by 10.30 a.m. Like if I have to schedule a meeting, I won't do it until 10.30. And then I'm going pretty hard from 10.30 to 5.30 these days. And that includes little breaks for, you know, maybe getting some lunch or getting up and making... No, I've broken my chocolate <gasps> habit. What? Actually, this is huge. I haven't really talked about this, but I was getting into this routine where I was fasting until noon mm-hmm. or so. I've stopped doing that. I'm eating much earlier in the day, and then I'm having a proper lunch. So I'm really into these crackers that I get from Trader Joe's and putting some Kite Hill almond cheese on it and either topping it with eggs or salmon. And like some chives. I'm really committed to making my food look pretty this year. So I'll top it with chives and capers, which you taught me don't come from the sea. Yeah, they're not sea animals. That was a whole conversation. <laughs> she and didn't you think they were animals, I, but she did. I shared this on Instagram and a lot of people were truly also shocked that capers <laughs> don't come from the sea. I'm not the only person who thought this. And I if you're listening it. to this right now and you're like, what? Capers don't come from the sea? They come from a bush in the Mediterranean. Yeah. They're pickled, so they're not like quite pickled, but salt preserved. But before I was binging on like half a bar of chocolate every afternoon because I was so hungry but didn't want to eat like a proper meal. So now I'm just having a couple of small meals in the day like a normal person. Nice. And it's working out really well for me. That chocolate habit was real. And I will say too, if you're playing with fasting or not that you're playing with fasting or whatever, um, I told you about this book recently, but I'm going to share it here. I read a book over the winter break that was Change Your Schedule, Change Your Life. And one of the things he talks about in that book is this cycle of fasting. And what most people do wrong is they fast in the morning when you should really be fast in the evening. So getting up and having a proper breakfast, breaking your fast at the right time, your lunch being your biggest meal of the day. And if you want to fast, having your dinner 
be the meal that you're skipping because it should be your lightest meal of the day because you're going to bed and your digestion system is going to sleep. So that one should be the smallest one. And then you're fasting from lunch to breakfast the next morning. Just throwing it out there. I've been playing with adjusting my own schedule. Again, tapping into the next level of my circadian rhythm. And um, I actually did this the other day. And I was fine until the next day, which usually when I'm fasting, I'm like, eat a whole bar of chocolate ravenous by whatever time too. Um, Anyway, just throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by all of it. I'm fascinated by all of the biohacking stuff. I'm I basically use fitness and nutrition as a hobby, so I'm always playing around with things, but you cannot deny the social aspect of your life whenever it comes to how you interact with other people. And so for me, fasting in the morning was easiest because my family's not around, whereas in the evening, I like to have dinner. So I kind of had to just weigh the pros and cons of when I might fast. Now I'm seeing, for me, having my dinner just a little bit earlier. I'm probably still having the same fasting window. I'm just having my dinner a little bit earlier if possible, like at six versus eight. And then um, that really helps me. I don't know. I just feel a lot more balanced lately with that eating schedule. And it's, it's all about experimenting on yourself. And really your whole schedule, your daily schedule is about experimenting and seeing what works. So for example, my, one of my most creative times of day is whenever I first wake up in the morning, but I don't want to hit the ground running on my computer necessarily. So I'm working out and I've played around, like I've also been playing around with a lot with working out in the evening and really getting to work sooner rather than later. And that's been really helpful too. So I like, I'm playing around with it a little bit, which is weird for me. I'm such a Taurus set in my ways with my habits, which is another tangent. I've been changing. You know how I always eat paleoats every day for lunch? Yes. I've changed that up. I'm what? not eating the same thing every day. I've been eating Kathleen the same thing is a new person, every everyone. I mean, I've been eating <laughs> the same thing every day for the past four or five years. Yeah. And I've changed paleoats and a bar of chocolate. Yeah, paleoats and a bar of chocolate. <laughs> okay, so maybe if if people are interested, maybe I can go into it on my Instagram, or we can talk about it in another episode. But um, back to my schedule. So I'm just working what feels like a nine to five, right? But it's usually ten thirty to five thirty. Then I pick up Fox from school, so he goes to a school and goes to aftercare. And then if I didn't work out in the morning, I take him directly to the gym. We go to the gym together. I get a workout in. Whenever I get home, I get dinner going. So I'm like you where I'm strategically prepping my meals so that if I cook a dinner, it's going to last us two more nights or leftovers. And then I usually make a tea before after dinner, like an after dinner tea. And I'll practice the piano while I'm drinking my tea and everyone's kind of chilling. And then by 8 p.m., we're starting our bedtime routine and getting in bed. And then and then I start over. And every day is pretty much the same. But whenever you said that usually takes sometimes a half day, I bet I do that once a week as well. Like even today, right before we were recording, I popped over to the grocery store real quick. And it wasn't a half day, but... I also volunteer at Fox's school once a week. So I was volunteering and then I popped home and I was like, oh, you know what? I still have my coat and shoes on. I'm just going to run out to the grocery store real quick. It's two, a two-minute drive and get that done. So there is some flex in my schedule for things that come up. Oh, yes, that flexibility, but also basic. Thank you for sharing your 
amazingly basic. And then there's a lot of nuances in there too, like routines within routines. So in my work day, I have certain days that I'm scheduling things. I'm always really cognizant. And we'll get into this more in our next section about like our tricks. But I'm, you know, conscious about not overbooking things and considering how long it takes to do something whenever I'm figuring out my work schedule. So there's a lot of like little, and again, morning routine, there's the lemon water, there's the coffee, there's all the things within all of this. Right. Right. But what what we really wanted to illustrate here was that our daily routine is not like we're not waking up at four and getting started or we're not, um, I don't know, working late at night or I don't just, we're not doing anything crazy. Like we're just basic people with a basic schedule, but we get shit done. (laughs) And the way we get shit done is with some really important little tips and habits and tactics that we're going to be sharing um, in the next section about how we take our normal lives and just sort of put them into overdrive when it comes to getting the work done. Hey boss, listening to us in your headphones or in your car while you do whatever it is that you're doing all by your lonesome. Guess what? No matter what you think, you're not alone. In the Being Boss community, bosses from all over the world are rallying to do this thing together, even if we're sitting alone at our computer with our PJ pants on. You can connect with bosses anytime to ask questions, get help, or just chime in. Whatever you need to remind yourself that we're all here and we've got your back. Learn more and join the Being Boss community by going to beingboss.club community. All right, let's get down to the good stuff now. We've made you wait long enough for some of our favorite tactics. I'm not, I don't like the word hacks. I don't like the word hacks. That feels like slimy. Like you're a hack. Like word. Yeah, like it, like, it seems negative. Like you're like you're cheating the system. And this yeah. isn't cheating the system. This is just using. This is having a system. <laughs> this is what this is. I know it is funny when people are like 10 life hacks to be more, you know, productive. Drink just, your water. And it's like, no, that's not a life hack. That's just being a human being. That's just a good habit. So I don't want to call them hacks. I'm not going to call them, though, uh, you know what I might do, guys? <laughs> I might call this productivity hacks. <laughs> going to get some. You know what? Sometimes you got to just for the SEO. Yeah. You, just you know what? Clickbait all day. Oh. Man. I'm going to call it productivity. Maybe. We'll see. You guys can go you know back what? I and like see it. on the title. I, like, right? I feel like you're saying that you don't like the word hacks because you actually do like it. I feel like we're having a full circle moment. <laughs> sure, why not? So let's spend this next segment talking about our favorite productivity hacks. hacks. I love it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> my biggest one, my biggest hack is to turn off your notifications Dang it. Um, Whenever I'm working, whenever I'm sitting down nine to five, whatever that may be, I am notorious. And by notorious, I mean people get annoyed at me and I don't care because I'm turning off notifications on my computer screen because those little Apple slide in notifications will kill your productivity. Um, And my ringer is literally never on my cell phone. Ever. Like it's not buzzing, it's not dinging, it's not doing anything. So I turn off my notifications. I turn off the ringer on my cell phone. I will shut down Slack and I will shut down my email whenever I have something to do. Because 
the only thing that those things do is distract you. And you can't multitask. Your brain cannot be writing an email and checking that notification that just flashed through and be able to really process either of those things effectively and efficiently. Your brain, even though you think you may be multitasking, you're actually switching from one thing to the next. And there's a buffer time that happen, that is required between switching between those things where you're not productive. So the more you're switching from one to the other, you are losing productivity. So hack number one is remove all of those little digital distractions, turn off your notifications. And the way you do that, literally, if you're on a Mac, go up to the top right-hand corner. There's these three little dots with three little lines. You can click on it. You scroll up, which you don't think you can scroll up, but you can. And there's a little button that says do not disturb and you can turn it on and it'll reset tomorrow. Your notifications will be back on if you want them. You can also come manually turn it on or off, I guess, if you want. Um, But it will stop notifying you of everything. You just changed my life. I didn't know the (laughs) scroll up thing. I've been trying to figure out how to turn off that bar for so long. There you go. It does it for, I think, just until the end of the day. So tomorrow morning, I feel like you should title this episode... How to turn off your notifications. <laughs> <laughs> and hack number two here, if you have problems sleeping, I've been struggling with how bright my monitors are, and I have two of them. Mm. Right next to the do not disturb button is night shift. So I just turn that on, and my eyeballs feel so much better. And I'm not designing anything, so I don't need to be able to see in full color. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Well, my hack is quite the opposite of what you just said. (laughs) Actually, I'm all for turning off um, distractions. But one of the things I've been doing lately to get into designing, so my most creative self, the part of me that has to sit down for, let's say, three-hour chunks and design out a brand platform, it takes longer than three hours, but three hours is like my max of being able to sit at my computer I will turn on some Hulu. I will watch. Here's what I watch. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Love it. And it's become like a Pavlovian response. So if Pavlov's dog, he would ring a bell and then the dog would know that he gets a treat or something like that. So then once Pavlov even just started ringing the bell, the dog would start salivating like it's going to get a treat, even if it wasn't getting a treat. So I found creating these little routines for, okay, keeping up with the Kardashians is on. I'm sitting down and designing. And it's just on in the background. I will say it is kind of a distraction. In fact, yesterday I watched all of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I started watching Roadhouse instead. And um, I and was then you Instagram story the entire thing. Yeah, I Instagram storied <laughs> and I'm not done. So be sure to follow me on Instagram if you want my uh, movie recaps. <laughs> Love it. I did this too whenever I was developing websites back in the day. I would always turn on Doctor Who. That was yeah. my that was my show. I'd turn it on, put it up in the little corner of my of my computer and just just develop away, write code for hours. And it gets you in the zone. And actually I have one other that's kind of related to that as far as like sitting down and doing the work. Have you ever heard the term mise en place? Yes. 
It's used for cooking where if you're cooking a recipe, get all of your ingredients chopped and together and in little dishes and it might seem like a waste of time, but you don't spend any time while you're cooking looking for that thing or measuring things out while something is burning. Everything is there and ready to go. It also feels really fancy. Like it feels just really nice to have everything there. You feel like you're Rachel Ray on a cooking show. But um, you can do the same thing whenever it comes to the materials that you'll be working with. So for example, right now I'm working, I'm on the beginning stages of a brand platform. And what I did is I went and bought all the fonts I needed to buy. I collected all of the photos that I knew that I wanted to use in one place. I opened the file, even just a blank InDesign file, and I named it. And I saved it and then I closed it while I was like gathering all of my materials. So that's another thing that I highly recommend from productivity is gathering all of your materials in advance. That's a good one. Look at you go. You must get shit done. Um, All right. One of mine is a little bit of a follow-up from my last one, and it is creating healthy and productive email boundaries. So many bosses I know are always talking about how interruptive or time-consuming their inbox is, and it's only because you allow it to be. On some level, please don't send me snarky emails. Um, one of the best things I did a couple of years ago, I started tracking my time, which I'll get to in a second. And I was specifically wanting to see how much time I spent in my inbox. And I was spending a stupid amount of time in my inbox because every time an email would come in, I would go answer it. I was distracting myself, going and doing it. You know, inbox zero was like how I measured a productive day, all of those things. Once I realized how much time I was wasting in my inbox, scratched it. Now I answer emails like once a week, maybe, and I will not answer a large majority of emails that land in my inbox. Not because I'm an awful communicator. It's more like I only have 24 hours in my day. And so I've developed what I think is a much more healthy relationship with my inbox where I don't feel like I need to respond to everything. I have very clear boundaries around when I'm in my inbox and it's not my top priority. My top priority is my work. My email only helps facilitate some of that. So creating some healthy and productive email boundaries is a great way to better manage your time. Mine ties into the last one, which is having everything in its place and ready to go. One thing I really like doing in order to stay productive is to stop whenever I have something to come back to. So for example, yesterday I was on a roll with designing a logo and I knew what I wanted to do next. And I'm like you where I could have kept going until 6.30 or 7 p.m., but I decided to stop so that I would have that momentum whenever I come back to my desk and I wasn't having to start over fresh with like, okay, well now which part of this do I want to work on? And same is true for whenever we were writing a book or even writing blog posts or newsletters. Sometimes I will outline it the night before and then come back and flesh it out the next day. So yeah, always have something to come back to. Love it. My next one, change it up. And whether that's your scenery or the time of day you're doing things, um, I often feel like I'm especially most creatively productive when I do something out of the box of my normal work day or environment. So, and this can even mean working on the weekend sometimes. Sometimes my best creative work, and I'm talking, let's say I'm designing a new website for something, wink, wink, or I am... um, 
even sometimes working on like, or some, I always see organizing things like a hugely creative undertaking. Like if I'm planning out a whole new project, that's got lots of like delegatable tasks and all of these things. Uh, I get really excited. Sorry guys. Um, sometimes I can do my best, like really intense work on like a Sunday afternoon when I don't ever work, but sometimes removing myself from my usual work day and allowing myself a good solid block of time to just focus on that thing elsewhere can be really productive. Um, or in a different place, sometimes to write a solid something, I need to go to the coffee shop, uh, remove myself from, you know, dirty laundry or your inbox or whatever it may be. Um, removing yourself sometimes in space can also be a great way to tap into some productivity. My number one be-all and end-all productivity tip is to have a process. So here at Braid Creative, we have the Braid Method, and it's the same process. It's had iterations for sure that have evolved along the way, but we have a process called the Braid Method, and it's how we take clients through the beginning to the end of their brand platform. So if you can have a process around the way that you work, whether you offer a service or a product, have a process and then work the process and then create systems to support the process. The more you can rely on your process, the more you can start to automate it or hire for it. And you just know what you're doing. Coming back to that having to make decisions thing, I know exactly the next steps. I can I can tell people, here's what you're going to expect next. Here's the email I'm going to send you. Then that email is a canned response that I tailor to fit their project. Um, I know what deliverables I'm offering every single time. And for me, that has just been huge whenever it comes to being able to get so much, especially creative work done in such a small amount of time. Right. When you can automate in terms of processes, those sort of mundane tasks of everything that even that like mise en place stuff, like what does it take for you to gather all of your materials? If you can have hardcore systems around that, you can do your work so much more efficiently and effective. And this goes right back to what we were saying was the problem that we see with creatives being they don't know what to do next. A system will always tell you what needs to happen next. Once you have a new client, you're like, oh, what do I do next? How do I deliver this thing? Or once you're in the middle of a creative project, what is it that I'm supposed to do next? A system that you've created will tell you what to do next so that you never are sitting there wasting time wondering what happens next. And all of those things can go on so much more efficiently and productively. And it helps you close the deal with your clients. Whenever yeah. you can tell a potential client what to expect and here's how you work and here's how you've taken hundreds of people through this exact same process with wildly different results because it's like input versus output. At least that's how it works with me. Um, it, it can really reassure someone who's on the fence yeah. and it can really make them trust you and feel good and like you know what you're doing. And then you have to deliver on the process. And what that does is it gives you more confidence. You're never left guessing, oh, am I going to get the information that I need? Am I going to um, am I going to be able to do this? You just trust the process because you have it and it's worked before. Yeah. Because that's been my biggest challenge as a creative is – there have been moments where 
before I, we had a process at the old agency that I worked at my day job, you would just get any given one-off job and you didn't have maybe all the information that you needed or you thought, how am I ever going to design this? Like, I don't even know what it is that I'm doing. So whenever you have a process, you know what you're doing, you know what's next, and it just gives you so much reassurance and confidence. And, you know, even coming back to our conversation about the buyout, one of my biggest challenges in being boss is that we were always innovating and like coming up with new things. And that was really hard for my brain to wrap itself around. I really like that process. And Emily, I think that you're really good at innovating and thinking of new things and then immediately creating a system around it. That's something I've really learned from you is creating a system around it and figuring out what support you need ASAP in order to make it do. Right. That's where I was leading into next with this is once you have these systems and processes, you can delegate. You can bring on someone to help you do things so that you can go do other things. Um, You can also do actual automation. So we've talked about like, quote unquote, automating a process where, you know, you simply know what happens next, but you can also use technological automations to help you do a lot of that work too. Um, if you guys are unaware, I do um, I do emails every Sunday to our email list called Weekend Edition. And a couple of weeks ago, I did one where I talk about the automations that I do in my business and how I recently did a little bit of math and found that I'm literally saving myself thousands, uh, like very rudimentary, at least $4,000 a year, though that was like two of like 40 tasks that I have automated across my online businesses. Um, Several thousand dollars just by using automations to do things like help me schedule meetings. Thank you, acuityscheduling.com slash being boss. Allowing me to do things like, like automating telling my team when things happen. Like there's not someone sitting there going, okay, this happened over here. You guys need to go do this thing or sending tasks from, you know, Slack to Asana, whatever it may be. There's a lot of actual technological automations that you can do to save you a boatload of time and money. Um, and you can use systems like Acuity, our pals at FreshBooks. Um, you, I use Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, for a lot of automations. They are not official friends of ours, though I would love for you guys to be, just so you know. Um, there's lots of tools out there that you can use to have a lot of your online business, especially automated, though I also use a lot of those automations for like in-person retail stuff at Almanac as well. Are you measuring those automations against how much time it would take you or someone else to actually do that task? Yes. I took I took like three or four tasks. I'll have to go back. No, I'm not going to go back. There was this email that I wrote um, where I took a couple of tasks and I equated, okay, if this is happening once a week and it takes an hour for a human being to do it, um, or even 15 minutes, a couple times a week for a human being to do it. And I were to do that, I think it was like $15 an hour. So pretty minimal pay. Um, it was, I think it ended up being about $3,400 a year just on like literally like scheduling meetings and telling my team something like a handful of tasks out of dozens that I use. Now, I will say with the process and automating things, you have to know what you're doing before you can start automating and delegating. 
So you really do, there is a lot of front end work whenever it comes to automating, but it is totally worth it. It will save you time and money in the long run. And you can start small. You can start small with the things that you know need to happen and build as it goes. So automations is one of mine. Um, I will also tout out here, we've had Mike McCallowitz on the podcast before. Super awesome guy. He wrote Profit First, which I know many bosses are a fan of. His newer work is called Clockwork. And one of the things that this book does, I read it, I loved it, um, is it does a really wonderful, easy to implement breakdown of where your time should be going in your business. So if you're like, I don't know how much time I should be doing planning versus delegating versus actually like putting my head down and do the work. Mike has done tons of research and implementing with his clients and in his own business to figure out what the sort of optimal use of time is, um, similar to how his profit first model works. And it's amazing, really amazing. So if you want to Okay, wait, can you tell us how much time should creatives spend actually creating, like on their core genius? So let's say I'm a designer, how much time, well, I'm a designer and an owner, how much time should I spend designing versus like business development? You know, we need to have, let's have him on the podcast because I want to ask him. Right. We will have him on the podcast and I don't have the book with me at the moment. David, I made David read it. I was like, I read this book. You have to go read this book now. Um, So I don't have it on me, (laughs) but um, there is, there is an optimal amount of time and it's sort of, it's for your whole business too. So if you are the only person in your business, then you need to be doing this. But if you have multiple people, you can spread those percentages out of between multiple people. So let's say you're just doing the planning and everyone else is doing the work or whatever it may be. Um, anyway, it's amazing. We'll have Mike somewhere soon <laughs> for sure. Um, so Clockwork, go check it out. It's a great resource. All right. Speaking of Clockwork, can you talk a little bit about time tracking? How has time tracking helped you whenever it comes to being more efficient? Time tracking keeps me super on point. Um, there's something about me physically hitting the button that says Go. That makes me focus and go until I hit the button to stop and then I'm released to pick up my phone and look at Instagram or whatever it may be. Um, So time tracking has really helped me stay very focused and helps me retroactively look at where I've been spending my time so that I can better optimize like I did that time whenever I checked to see how much time I was spending in my email inboxes. And you can do a little planning. I don't do much planning. I mostly use it retroactively and just like keeping me focused. It's like, it's like me, it's like personal accountability is what time tracking is for me. And I do like to use Timely. They have previously been um, been sponsors of the podcast. Feel free to send them an email and tell them that you'd wish they'd come back. That would be awesome. <laughs> but um, I love Timely. Love them a lot. I think with time tracking also – what I want to say whenever it comes to being productive is don't underestimate what you can do in just 10 minutes. Amen. I do think that a lot of people underestimate how much they can, how much like a whole project might take, or maybe they, you know, they think that they can get something done in an hour, but it's really going to take them three. And then you can get in trouble with over committing or overbooking yourself and thinking that you can do too much in too little time. And then the inverse of that is knowing you can do a lot in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes yesterday, I mood boarded out the look and feel for a client's brand platform. In 10 minutes today, I wrote down all of my notes for all of the things that I do for productivity 
to prep for this episode. There is so much stuff that you can get done. So don't hesitate. I mean, how much of our book did we probably write in 10-minute chunks? Right? So much of Just it. little outlines here and there and then filling it in later. So if you have 10 minutes to spare – and I do watch TV. So that's another thing. I, I'm also watching shows amongst all of this stuff. Hack, watch a 20-minute show. I highly <laughs> recommend Shit's Creek. It's so good. Or stop whenever you still have more. So if you watch an hour-long show, stop at 30 minutes and then start the second half the next day. Okay. Anyway, what I really wanted to say about that, though, is that you can get a lot done in 10 minutes. So the next time you do have a small lull or a break – try and hop right into something. And again, that means if, you're, if you've got your me's in place, if you've stopped whenever you still have more to do, you will always have something to pick back up. If you have your tasks delegated out and you know what it is that you even need to accomplish this week, you're going to be able to knock some stuff out. Mm, I love it. I'm going to say something really quickly about this TV piece. And this is not about <laughs> TV necessarily. Sure. This is about literally anything. A couple of months ago, so well, actually, before I even say that, I what am I? I'm a reader. I've always been a hard like. Even as a kid, there was one summer when I was like in middle school where I and I counted them, read like seventy books. Like book nerd, guys. I'm not a crazy fast reader by any means. I just have a really great attention span. I think whenever things are interesting, because there are definitely books that I don't finish. So I don't think I'm not that person. A couple of months ago, I realized I wasn't reading as much as I like to read. There was my pile of books that I wanted to read was getting really, really tall. And I remember thinking like, I want to be the person who has read every book that I want to read. And so I made a conscious decision that instead of watching television, because I don't care to be the person who's watched every season of Survivor or whatever it may be. And I'm not picking on you if you love Survivor by any means. I'm just giving an example. Um, I wanted to be the kind of person who had read all the books that I wanted to read. So now, literally every single morning, whenever I wake up and every single night before I go to bed, I'm reading. I've chosen to use that little bit of time, which is like 30, 45 minutes on each end is spent reading books instead of anything else. So know that like a lot of time management is time prioritizing of knowing what's most important and dedicating yourself to spending that time doing the thing that is important to you as opposed to literally the infinite list of other things that you could be doing. A hundred percent. Also back to the 10 minutes thing, there are some nights where, because I also love reading, I read a lot, probably about a book a week at this point. Mm -hmm. And I get that done in also just 10 minutes a day. And sometimes it's longer. Sometimes I'll spend an hour reading and um, I'm learning how to play piano. And so same thing with that. Like if I can just sit down for 10 minutes a day, it really does start to add up. Yeah. So this applies to work. It applies to anything that it is that you want to do. Or learn or be or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, last thing I'm going to throw out here is some boss support. Because after I did that poll in the community where I found out that still 40% of people, like it's themselves that standing in the way of feeling awesome about the coming year, I prompted our boss members in the community to share their best tactics for finding focus whenever they feel overwhelmed and unproductive. And here's a couple of things that they said. First, a to-do list brain dump. 
I love doing this. Personally, I high five this one. Putting on your headphones. And this was more of those like Pavlov's dog scenario where you feel unproductive, put on your headphones, focus, which I totally loved. Okay, wait, but is music playing or just headphones on? So she actually said that even, no, it's music too. But like, even if like she's playing music, it's putting the music in the headphones, putting the headphones on. Like there's something about. And so it's those little triggers, whatever you need to do to get yourself in the zone. The Pomodoro method, which is setting a timer for 45 minutes and focusing on one task for 45 minutes. Bosses I knew love this. I hear about this one a lot. I like this one, going for a short walk. Yes. I'm all about this. Again, you know, with what you can do in 10 minutes, you can get in 10,000 steps a day, 10 minutes at a time, and it just clears out your brain. And I would even say, and I'm a, I love listening to podcasts. I listen to them all day, every day. But try not listening to a podcast and going for a quick walk and it will just clear your brain out. So quick walk was actually paired with multiple people saying, general, get out in nature. I will say too, sometimes whenever I need a quick little break to do a reset so I can come back and focus, I'll just go like pull some weeds in the garden. Like just half a bed, pull some weeds, done. Um, and then your bed is de-weeded. Right. And and I was productive while I was resetting. <laughs> Look at that. Um Also, stopping for a chat with another boss to boost inspiration. Sometimes overwhelm and unproductivity can stem from being very uninspired to do the work. Talking to a boss friend, whether that be just accountability or general inspiration, can be great for giving you that boost. This might be my favorite one. Pick just one thing to do right now, even if it's small and easy, to give you that boost of productivity to keep going. This is something that you said last week, Emily, was, or a few weeks ago, was that it, the more energy you produce, the more energy you get. And I think that there is something to being productive and really collecting that momentum to keep going. Right. There was some chatter in there about the snowball effect that happens whenever you do one and then you do two and then you did 18 and you're like done, which is really great. So just start checking it off for sure. So those are the most, some of the tactics that came from the Being Boss community. They were having it. They loved this little prompt. They all got excited um, and were cheering each other on with their really awesome, um, their really awesome tips. And I told them that if they ever have any issues with being unproductive or unfocused to come back and use some of these tactics, and you guys can also use this episode to do the same. All right. And there you go. So those are some of our best tips, tactics, and dare I say hacks to help us be very productive. And yes, very truthfully, often get 40 hours of work done in a 25-hour week. We do all the things, all the things we need to do. And we sleep and eat and work out and take walks and all the things. So you can do it too. I mean, granted, I had to quit my job this year at being boss, but. (laughs) Well, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, You're practicing piano. I'm not practicing piano. I'm not learning anything new. Just running two businesses. We all choose. We all choose our priorities. We choose our choices. Right. Working on my six-pack and those piano keys. Yeah, I'm doing neither of those things. I promise you. Promise you. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you want more resources, we're talking worksheets, free trainings, in-person meetups, vacations, and more. Go to our website at www.beingboss.club. Do the work. Be boss. Be boss.